0: Welcome to the Dial of Inbound, this is Ian Garlick, and this week's guest, I was lucky enough to see and be somewhat taught by at an event put on by Michael Port, who wrote Public Speaking. Uh, our guest today has been an actor, um, a photographer, a videographer, and for nine years was the Theater Games Improvisation Instructor at NYU's Graduate Acting Program. Uh, which is an amazing, amazing skill set that he has. Um, and in 2010, co-founded Scribe Films. In 2012, became the director of the Chekhov Film Project at NYU's graduate acting program where he's currently working. And 2013, created the Film Practice, a studio that offers on-camera actor training. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan Cordo. Dan, thanks so much for being on. Thank you very much. Um, Dan, so, you know, I want to talk today about how people can present themselves on video. Uh, but I had a few things I wanted to talk to you about because I, while I want to talk at the end, I think there were some even bigger things that I learned from you. Um, you know, and one of the things that I really liked and what the things I've been thinking about a lot is, this idea that you have because of going through improv, the moment from when things are, you know, chaos is put in front of us and before we start organizing the chaos. Right. And, uh, can you tell me a little bit about why that moment's important and how you handle it in an, in an improv situation?
1: I think it's a great moment because in that moment, uh, there are nothing but possibilities. And, um, in that moment, people find themselves acting instinctively, uh, n- not, not, um, not necessarily from a place of reasoning, just acting. And, um, I think that's a, that's a powerful place to be in. And we, we associate those moments, uh, instinctive kind of reactions with, um, situations where we're perhaps in sports or in survival situations. Uh, but you know, the same, the same process that's at work in those situations is at work in our daily interactions with other people, uh, in our dreams, um, and in much of what we do. In fact, there's something called the adaptive unconscious, um, which is, uh, it's a kind of like the body's wisdom, the way that the body kind of figures things out. Um, it's an introspective kind of awareness. And, uh, I think that, that when you're, when you're improvising, as we all do in life all the time, a lot of what's happening is coming from that place. And sometimes when we apply our intellect, um, and try to override our instincts with our intellect, things get a little bit muddled. Um, so a great deal of what I teach is, is how to come from that place, you know, where you're really using your instinctive knowledge to, um, to you know, uh, get things done. <laughs> That's yeah. basically
0: it. Uh, I love that, and it, it's it's so important to you know I, when I realize that because we do I do a lot of video interviews and I try and tell people that, but I never realized that moment either where the, that changes. Um, how do you you know you teach improv? And, and another thing that I loved about the class is when you started talking about teaching improv, and we we did this class. Um, it's not, people immediately think of comedy improv and, right. and it's, it was nothing. I mean, there, there were funny moments
1: mm-hmm.
0: naturally, which was great. But uh, uh, how do you, what improv tools do you use? To, what are some of the best improv tools you use to help get in touch with that moment? Or is it just doing improv in general?
1: Well, um, there, there is a distinction between, you know, what is known. Uh, now, you know, in this country anyway, is improv and, uh, um, what, you know, I call generally improvisation. Uh, and the difference is that with improv, uh, the improv that we all kind of associate with is, is kind of comedy improv. And, you know, there, there are many fun venues to go see that kind of work, you know, where the point of going is that you're going to get a good laugh. And uh, you're going to see things that are way out of the box sometimes. And um, it's like going to see a comedian. You know, it's a huge release. There's a certain amount of enjoyable tension. and um, But the point for the performer um, in terms of <laughs> the hope for um, outcome is that people will laugh, which means that, that there's a focus on being funny. Now, um, or that that's the, you know, hoped for outcome that people wind up, balling, you know, <laughs> at, the a, at the end of an improv show, you know, some people would say that that didn't work so well. Uh, <laughs> you know, so already there's this outcome that you're hoping for. And the outcome is a, a, is within a specific set of emotions that, you know, we would call funny or humorous, you know, yeah. uh, those kinds of feelings. So if you're engaged in improv and you're doing that, you're actually hoping to achieve a, a particular thing. And with improvisation, which, um, I learned through something called theater games. It's not necessarily funny. It's the same kind of, it delves deeply into the same kind of, uh, improvisation that we do on a, in our lives. And, and oftentimes deals with moments of great importance in our lives. So, for instance, um, if somebody asks you to marry them, that's a very heightened moment, usually. Uh, regardless of the circumstances, <laughs> or if you're asking somebody to marry you, it, it can be very momentous, you know, but you, you might plan it out. And then there are these wonderful things that happen unexpectedly, you know, because it's a relationship. And so in this heightened moment, these wonderful, uh, uh, potentially wonderful and sometimes not so wonderful things happen. And you, but you're really living in that moment. And so when, when we do, uh, theater games and improvisation work, we often um, try to find situations that are like that, where two people are involved in a moment of great importance to them. And then we try to find our way through that moment together. And what comes out is the very same thing that happens when you're having those moments in your life. Um, unexpected things that might be funny, that might be tragic, and you get to, you know, experience that in a public way. And, and and because you're experiencing it publicly, um it has a way of expanding um your sense of self. Because we only think of these special circumstances where we can fly by the seat of our pants, such as, you know, when you're adding, asking somebody to marry you or you know that moment when you're when somebody asks you or or childbirth, Uh, what an extraordinary event that is. And, you know, there's no right way to do it. You know, when I, I was lucky enough to be in the room when my, you know, uh, when my children were born (laughs) and it was extraordinary to see, to be a part of that and to see, uh, it happen, you know, um, or lovemaking for instance, uh, you know, people, when you're in it, you know, I mean, there's no real right or wrong. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, it happens, right? So with improvisation, you know, you get into these situations that, and, and in the particular um, class that you were in, I, I remember, you know, one of the situations was two people on a beach that decided to spend the rest of their lives together, uh, a confessional, an argument between two friends, you know, for something important. And uh, these things happen publicly, and then you know we try to stretch it and take it a, take it even further, and say, well, what would happen if they wound up singing during that time? <laughs> you know, what would happen if a uh, if it's some an odd event were to happen, like some kind of an animal were to show up? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> but this happens in life, you know. Yeah. People are at a picnic table, and a bear comes wandering over. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, things happen. Yeah, they do. So it's funny. You, you start talking about, um, the proposal thing because you didn't know this, but my, the key, the keynote speech I give, actually mm. the first half of it is the story of my proposal because it, it's, it was one of those improv things where everything went wrong. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, that's pretty funny that you brought that up, but I do love the idea too of this public, um, you know, of these private moments being public and kind of bearing your soul, and how important that is to connect with people too, in a different way, to learn more about yourself and to connect with people. and one of the things that you said too, which I think is really important for us these days is because we see uh, social media and, and marketing shows us everything that's perfect. And we don't realize that to get to a great point, you have to get your heart broken. And that's one of the things that you also said that really resonate with me is you have to be ready for your heart to be broken because it's going to be when you put yourself out there. Um How, you know, knowing that that's going to happen, how do you stand up and you do this over and over again?
1: Well, it's not hard you know that's uh that's a big question you know that speaks to how we choose to live and um and what we choose to share um if 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 we take a look at life right life is finite and we we're having this experience and it's easy to forget you know that we're mortal uh, and that it's going to end uh in some some day and if we have that in our minds that, okay, this is, this is not going to last forever. You know, then we can really ask ourselves, well, how do I want to live? And the answer in terms of the answer that most people arrive at is that I really want to enjoy myself. I really want to love. I really want to, I really want to feel connected to other people, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's, I think a wonderful thing of uh, once you sign up for that, you also sign up for, um, the opposite of that so if you if you allow yourself to feel great love you're going to feel great loss and that's part that's just part of life if you decide you're not comfortable with that amount of loss then it might be good to decide not to love so much um you know so once you put it that way right Mm -hmm. and you start thinking wait a minute (laughs) i want to live right and And I'm willing to experience that heartbreak if it means I get to love you. Um, so, and then you start looking at the equation and you start thinking, you know what? It's worth it. And beyond that, the heartbreak I feel is confirmation, is evidence of the amount that I loved. So I want a really big heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I want to really get my heart broken. And... Um, that makes it kind of pleasurable, you know, then you get to say, wow, you know, this really hurts (laughs) (laughs) really in the pits here, you know, but boy, did I, you know, I really have a great time and, and, and great times are ahead. And at the end of the day, when it ends, you get to look back and you get to say, what an amazing adventure. And that's what people want from their lives, right? That's what we seek, um, in, in our heroes, right? And, and the great myths of, uh, uh, for instance, the myth, uh, which is based in reality to, you know, of Joan of Arc, right? Mm-hmm. She, she, w- a woman, uh, in France, a, fr- a peasant, and she was, she decided to make a difference. And to make a difference, she had to fight, not just, you know, with her intellect, but she had to fight physically against people who are much stronger than her against men. And she had to motivate men in a time when women didn't do that. And, she risked everything for that, and at the point, uh, you know, at the end of her life, she was burned at the stake for having take those, taken those risks. You know, so there's one person, and we look to her and say, wow, you know, what a an inspiration. Then there's Ulysses, you know, Homer's uh, Odysseus, mm-hmm. who, you know, quite a character. I mean, not only, uh, you know, people think of his character because he he fought in the Trojan War. It was actually uh, Odysseus who had the idea for the Trojan horse. He was one of the guys in the horse. <laughs> it, was his, it was his idea. So he basically won the Trojan War. And he never gets credit for it. I mean, lots of other people fought in it too. But that was an inspiration. But anyway, the thing about him was that on his way home, <clears throat> it took 10 years apparently, and um, he tended to seek out adventures. Like he could have gotten home a lot sooner. But he would put himself in these situations that were crazy, where people would say, you know, you should really go this way to avert this experience that could be deadly. And Ulysses would say, no, no, we're going to go into that experience because that's where things are going to really happen. And they called him, interestingly, uh, the man of pain <laughs> because he brought pain to himself and he brought pain to others, but he was also, you know, he brought great joy to himself and he brought great joy to others. So I'm getting off track here, but Uh, I
0: love uh, it. I love it.
1: But this is, there's a key here, right? Because now we can also, we, we put limits on our experiences and we have to, you know, we have to decide, is this experience a good one for me? Is it in that sense, is it profitable or is this an experience that, that isn't good for me and my loved ones? So, you know, personally uh, i've never done heroin i hear it's a great drug <laughs> I, hear, I hear that it's so good you're addicted you know the first time um but i know that it would cause you know as great as that is it would cause some serious problems and i won't go there and um there're things i share and then there there are limits to what i share because i feel like it's a little bit too much you know for me to share this thing um so you know we, we all go through that my my favorite um photographer is a uh he's a man called Emmett Gowan. Um he's still around. He was one of the great photographers. And he's known um to a large degree for his photos of Mount St. Helens after the explosion, but especially for the photos of his family, uh and his wife Edith. And many of the photos he took of her were you know were very personal. But he has this great story that he tells of uh a time when people were saying to her, you know, Edith, how, how can you share photos that are so personal? Because in many of these, she was nude, you know, Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, in very, in a very revealing way. And she said, uh, oh, you haven't seen the photos that are too personal. So, um, you know, we share what we, what we want to share. We share what we can share. And, um, and, and just like with, with everything else in, in the uh, process of living and and the, uh, and the attaining of wisdom, you know, we try to push the envelope little by little and to stretch out and to, to see what we can see and to experience what we can experience.
0: Yeah, and it, it went, another thing, I mean I, I took away so much, but another thing that you just mentioned too is about pushing the envelope and, and how we, you know, how we push the envelope and then come back to our normal spot. But that normal spot has now moved because we pushed the envelope. And um, and how do you do that on a regular basis to expand yourself? Is it intentional or is it just, I see this, so let me go do this?
1: Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, personally, I guess what I do, the first thing that I try to do Well, there's several factors for me. Um, I think the first and most important thing is to make sure that my needs are met, right? And this is going to sound very basic, but I do think this way. Are, am I meeting my needs? Am I, you know, am I achieving my responsibilities? And when, when that happens, it opens the door for, uh, for wonder and curiosity. And this is not really any different than it is for anybody else. And, I mean, this is, I think, you know, uh, what happened to our species, right? Uh, at first, it was very hard, very difficult to get by. And then, you know, we used our brains to meet our needs in, in good time, and we had a little free time. And in that time, you know, our curiosity and our sense of wonder really came out. And then, you know, ironically, the curiosity and the wonder led to, uh, had benefits, You know, we wound up discovering new things that made it even easier to meet our needs and, and so forth and so on to the point where now, you know, living is pretty easy and we have a lot of time to really explore things that we're curious about and to bring our wonder to our experiences. So, um, when you activate your curiosity and your wonder, if you have the luxury to do that, and there are people in the world who don't, um, it it can be so joyful. Yeah. You know, and it, it can also be incredible because, uh, you wind up learning things that are frightening and, and, and learning things that are extraordinary. When you think about all the things that there are out there to, you know, to consider, it's mind boggling. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know, I like to read. I like to think. I, I take, you know, the photography that I'm doing now is, um, that's, that's the function of what, that's what I do when I'm out taking photos now. It's uh, that kind of exploration.
0: It, um, it, is there some place we can see those photos?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I am so bad at the social side of things, <laughs> but I do have a website, uh, which is badly maintained, but it's there. And it's Dan And I also have a Flickr page, you know, that I use as kind of like a, a, a bulletin board, you know, okay. um, and i focus on on uh, i typically you know what I, I i do what i have time for so uh, as i my responsibilities have grown my world has become a little bit smaller so typically i take photos you know in the areas around where i live in the natural spaces um and when i can uh, i take photos of my children or um people i know
0: yeah and and you have four children is that correct i
1: do yeah i have we have <laughs> My my wife and I had two, you know, between ourselves, and then we adopted two. Wow,
0: that that's amazing. So I, I bet I bet some of that improv training comes in handy on a daily basis.
1: <laughs> you, you know what? I I always feel I need more training, you know, and <laughs> that. that's, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> wow, that that's impressive. Congratulations, that's that's a wonderful feat. I know we. I mean, I have a two year old, and, and uh, it's it's a handful for us. I can't imagine four in in New York <laughs> in in New York City too. We always talk about that. Right,
1: yeah. Oh, actually, well, we live in Princeton, but oh. I will say that I I don't you know <laughs> I don't have uh it's I think it's kind of like waiting tables. You know, it's like you, you see it's not an easy job, and it's like when you first start, it's like oh my goodness, you know, how could I possibly do this? But then before you know it, it's like you're they you keep adding tables, and somehow you're able to do it. The big step. <laughs> I mean, we're off base here, but the biggest step was from two to three. Like when you have two, you can hug one under, you know, with each arm, but three, it's like you have to, you know, you go to a zone defense at that point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's such a great analogy. I can only imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Two. That's fantastic. Um, So you know, getting back to the idea of opening it up and one of the things I wanted to talk about too was, you know, you, you did some training for us there and you do regular training on people how to be on video. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's a, a crucial skill for almost anyone these days because really there's no one in the first world, you know, in West unless they're ultra poor, that isn't going to be on video at some point at this point in their life. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, interviews are so important and also just, you know, for, it's such an opportunity to transfer your message. What are some of the crucial things that you can tell people or uh, some of the crucial advice that, for people getting on video and being interviewed and also bringing, exposing themselves, not in, in not trap, dropping your pants, exposing yourself, but exposing, right. <laughs> exposing right. yourself, uh, you know, uh, personally and being as authentic and as, Open your heart up as possible. What? How? How can you do that from the first time out?
1: Well, the um, probably the clearest thing I could say about it uh, is this: um, that you have to understand that that um, when you're on camera uh, in an interview situation, you're involved in an intimate situation, and that's sometimes the last thing that people consider. Because the truth is that you're you're involved in a conversation with one person who's the interviewer and there's another person at the table and that's the viewer and the viewer is coming at this as an individual and they're right there with you. So, um, imagine that you go to dinner with, you know, two other people or you're sitting around a sofa with two other people and you're talking to one of them, but the other one is there and you know, you want to include that person. You want that person to be part of the conversation. You don't want to ignore them. They're there with you. And they have something to say too. It's just, they're not talking at the moment. You know, the, you're, the, you're kind of um, leading the conversation or for the interviewer maybe, but your responses are, are kind of center stage at that point. So, understanding that you're involved in an intimate situation may, you know, hopefully will lead people to know that, oh, okay, uh, you know, it's of great value for me to be myself here, you know, because um, it's a good idea to share who I am. I mean, and that, then we're, you know, into this discussion on authenticity. Now, authenticity, it's interesting, because that's a word that um, uh, I haven't, you know, when I work with actors, that's a word that we don't usually use, but it is a word that is used quite a bit um, in other areas. Mm-hmm. And one of the areas that 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 um, it's used a lot is in public speaking and in mm-hmm. marketing and and so forth. And what I know about authenticity is that um, how I define it is that it means real. You know, like that's the real you. Now the real you isn't going to be pleasing to everybody. Some people are going to run the other way when they see me. They're going to say, "That guy! Oh goodness, I'm going to cross the street, you know, because he's coming." And that's perfectly okay. You know, they they shouldn't have to subject themselves to that. No, they they have other friends that they need to be with. So, you know, God bless them, and and there they go. You know, but then there are these other people who know who I am and they see me and they wave and they run and they embrace me. And those are people that, you know, that are, uh, they know who I am, what I really am. And they want to be with me and I want to be with them. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you're really yourself, uh, then you will, you will be with the people you'll find yourself in the company of, you know, what I'll call your people. And there are many of them out there, many, many, If you present something that you're not, you're going to confuse people. They're not going to, it's going to take them more time to get to know you. That means more time that you're not spending with the people that are your people. And it will be confusing for the people who really need to be with somebody else. Mm. So think about it that way. And it's like, you know, imagine being in a relationship with somebody, uh, and pretending you're somebody you're not, right. Or only showing them part of who you are. Um, that, that wouldn't be a good thing. You know, that, that might lead to a disastrous uh, situation. So for me, um, these things go hand in hand. Intimacy doesn't mean necessarily mean vulnerability, right? I mean, it kind of does, but it doesn't mean you're in a weak position at all. That's a good it point, means, yeah. You know, so, um, of course, intimacy, that word uh, is loaded for many people what i'm talking about is really just being yourself you know and understanding that somebody is there very close to you who's listening to you and that's good
0: and how do you get over uh, because you know you you're around cameras all the time and 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 are you know working with actors who are around cameras but the people that aren't and you know especially when it comes you add lights and you add microphone it's overwhelming how can you how would someone move to that intimate place mentally, have a mindset of that intimacy given all the, the setup around them?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, that's, uh, uh, factors face the same thing. You know, it's, um, if you're not used to it, it, it's difficult. Uh, so when I train actors, you know, and now when I train speakers, what I do is, uh, you know, develop a practice for them where you're actually getting on video. Uh, I have one particular training that I do where uh, you're on video every single day. You know, you're making video every day, like a a video that lasts uh, up to five minutes, and these are shared every day. And then as you progress uh, through the training, you know, you start adding elements like lights and better sound, and pretty soon you're making um, what I would call low production videos on your own. It's hard to do a high production on your own because it's a, it's a big job, but you get into a flow where the on-camera part starts to become not just easy, but very enjoyable. And you have an understanding of what's happening with the sound and with the lights. Then you're ready to have, you know, a big party, which is, <laughs> which is the higher end production. When you actually walk into a studio and there are other people that are going to take care of all these things that, That you have a sense of how to do. And, you know, you wind up feeling taken care of and it's exciting. It's not terrifying anymore. Um, so, um, that's how, you know, I approach it. There's, it's a matter of getting yourself into a kind of a a situation where you're doing it all the time. Um, and it's easy to implement, you know, even, even uh, on a daily basis. You know, if you make a habit, for instance, of talking to people on Skype, you know, just there, you know, as opposed to just picking up the phone, which not many people do anymore. Um Mm -hmm. you'll you'll be in a situation where you're on camera. And, you know, that's not quite the same thing, but it has an effect over time to get used to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember you talking about the Skype thing and it's funny the point you brought up. It's so where, where do you look when you're on Skype video? Cause we're on Skype audio right now, but when you're video, do you look at the person or do you look at the camera or are you moving back and forth?
1: <laughs> it, it depends. It depends really. Um, usually when I Skype, I look at the person. Um and that's because um, there's a lot of information we gain by looking at someone, even if they're not looking at us. Mm-hmm. That's part of the conversation. Um, that gets back to, uh, you know, what I was talking about, about the adaptive unconscious. There's just a lot of information coming, and it's good to see. Um, it's also great to hear. Uh, sometimes I'll look in the lens if I really want them to hear something. If I really want to communicate something. Um, I'll look in the lens because then I know that there's a chance, uh, that they'll get, they'll get it even more clearly for me because then they'll be seeing my eyes. Um, and I don't feel self-conscious about it at all. You know, I mean, I, I know that there's that. And and what I can say is if you do this, uh, habitually, you lose that sense of self-consciousness. I mean, it's, it's like everything else. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> back in the i mean i i was uh, you know alive in the days when men were going to the beach wearing bikini under, you know bottoms you know what i mean mark spitz you know those days um and now people wear baggy pants and they would never dare you know Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, but you can see how you know like a trend could begin and in 15 years you know, all of us who are now wearing baggy pants would look like losers. You know, Yep. So, so it's just a matter of you know, like doing it and getting used to it, and then it's like suddenly everybody's okay with it, and you just apply that kind of reasoning to yourself and say, okay, well, if I engage in this, eventually I'm not just going to get used to it. It's going to seem like old old hat.
0: Yeah, that's a it's great advice. Um, I would love that the the five minute video thing as well because that. That's a powerful thing that people can do to prepare themselves to be on video and also just be more comfortable with the, that public, opening themselves up a private situation being public, like we originally talked about. Um, I thank you so much for all that awesome advice. Uh, sure. I have a couple questions uh, that I always ask. Uh, one big thing we work on is mindset. And you know, marketing and life really mindset is what holds us back or allows us to become better. What mindset are you personally working on right now?
1: Um. Well, I I I'm a strong believer in in the importance of kindness and compassion, and you know the the in in some ways the you know. We, the, it's sometimes, it's important to remind ourselves that we need to apply that to ourselves. You know, that we need to take care of ourselves. So, um, that, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and that's an, you know, that's something that you have to refresh because, uh, it's easy to forget. And, and it's odd that we do, you know, because when you think about it, nobody thinks about you as much as you do. Like even your uh, husband or wife, your mom (laughs) Yeah. or your dad, they, 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 they might wake up and think about you, but they don't spend all day thinking about you. But, you know, we're having the experience in our own bodies and we are constantly relating it back to what's happening to ourselves. And yet, um, many people don't, don't take the time to really nourish themselves or take care of themselves or apply the same kind of kindness or compassion that they uh they try to apply to other people um to themselves so um it's a real it, it's very important and um uh i think it's it's a, a major key you know to having a a wonderful life um and certainly to um achieving A kind of wisdom.
0: Wow, yeah, Yeah. that's so important, and it's one of those things that we do forget about, and it it it, it changes your life on a daily basis. It's something I work on. I forget to work on it, and I get down on myself, and then, and I think we all do, and we forget to be kind. Um, so, what is your what's the best book you've read recently, or if you have a favorite book, what's that?
1: Um, well, I'm, I'm reading a book called blink right oh, now. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and, um, I just, uh, read a book called being mortal and those are both great books. I'm having a good time with those. Um, you know, I recalled when, when we were doing the, um, the training in Florida that I don't know if it was in the particular class you were in, but it leapt to me in my mind book uh that i read when i was 14 uh zen in the art of archery
0: yes i remember talking Um, about that
1: and i I remember reading that book and now that it it came up to me in that class uh there's a quote in there um you are the arrow and the target and i remember being so thrown by that by that when i read those words um and how, and then, you know, and I started working on that idea when I was 14 and came to understand it. But I hadn't thought about that book in now a couple of years. And uh, it's made me want to go back and read it. So, um, you know, depending on the number of listeners you have, there now might be a boost,
0: right? <laughs> <in> sales.
1: <laughs> that old book will be pulled out.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Good bestseller. <laughs> uh That's and funny. yeah blink is one of my favorites too and and the uh, malcolm gladwell is fantastic i don't know yep. if if you listen to audiobooks at all he reads all of his and he, the way he reads them is just wonderful too uh, yeah he's he's a, he's a fantastic guy um and what was the f- the original the first other one you mentioned
1: it was um uh being um being mortal by Atul, oh, um, I'm gonna have to, being mortal. Hang on one second. I'm gonna, I'm oh, forgetting his name. It's a very good book. It, it deals with some issues that are, that are kind of difficult sometimes to read, um, because it deals with aging and with illness. Um, and it can be hard to read, but it's a great book. It's by Atul Gawande. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's a, a doctor um, who has, you know, incredible experiences dealing with people who are um, infirm, you know, and, and with the aged. And, um, and I recommend it highly. Awesome,
0: awesome. And uh, you mentioned a quote, but we—I always ask people what their favorite quote is, or if they have one. Uh, do you? Do you have one? I, I have a lot of quotes from you. You're very quotable, by the way. But uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite quote?
1: um, a favorite of somebody else.
0: Yes. Is there one? I,
1: I'm, I'm going to have to quote, you know, I, 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 I don't have like one that I always keep in my head, but I'm going to have to quote my brother. Um, because, uh, I wrote about him yesterday mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he said, uh, you know, a couple of amazing things in his lifetime. Um, he was a doctor and, um, he said two things that that were really great um the first is uh a condition for being consistently compassionate with children is to be compassionate with ourselves that's something that wow. he wrote and then um uh, when he was dying he said to me um more and more i find what's important is human kindness to be truly kind that's the most important thing and you know that i think I, I can't I just can't do better than that.
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, thought, I think those are pretty darn good.
0: Those are amazing. Those are amazing. Give me chills. That was really good. Well, thank you, Dan, so much for being on the show and taking time out to to be interviewed. And it was absolutely wonderful and insightful. Are you going to be at the next heroic public speaking live?
1: I, you know, I need to speak with, with, uh, Michael Port and Amy Port. Uh, I'm not sure. I, it would be wonderful to be there. So we'll, well see if that happens.
0: Well, they better have you there. Uh, oh, uh, is, and is there any other way if someone wanted to connect with you or, you know, take one of your classes? Is there any other thing out there that they can? Because I mean, I highly suggest it. It, it, it's a subtle but powerful transformation in the course of 35 minutes that I had Thank with you. you. So, I mean, it, it was, and I saw it across the board. Everything was okay. outstanding there. But it was like, wow. It, it, because it, it pushed for me, especially uh, uh, just to give everyone that's listening. Because uh, I went to a rogue public speaking thinking, it's going to be a thing about public speaking. You know, Stand up straight, clear your throat, blah, blah, blah. And it was right. nothing like that. And then when I got into the improv class, well, I was thinking, I, I've always wanted to kind of take some improv classes. And it was a, it was different and it pushed my boundaries and also made me think about things in a whole new way. And it it made me a much, I think a much better person, but also definitely a much better speaker and, uh, and my interactions much better. So is there any way that anyone else can experience that besides heroic public speaking?
1: Sure. Um, what I can say is, um, you know, I've trained actors and I'm gearing up you know to, to to have more of a presence in terms of training um speakers and entrepreneurs which means i i'm getting together uh you know a website like a little home you know for that kind of work um but in the meantime um i'm very reachable um by email <laughs> <laughs> which which is at dancordlehotmail.com and i'm also um on facebook which um i found to be very effective in terms of communicating with people um so and on Facebook, I'm just Dan Cordle. I think I might be one of two Dan Cordles in the world, so I'm pretty easy to find.
0: <laughs> and that's D A N C O R D L E. Dan. Kordle. That's right. Yeah. Awesome, Dan. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, and I, I look forward to talking to you again.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.